0: Especially he's, 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 he's got the word slam dumpling on the hand. Why didn't you cleave um, and drown? I don't know where it is. Look at Argentina's, he? Oh. Now, next week,
1: and then. Oh, Why is this so small? This is small because
2: I'm the only guy small.
1: who makes it so that it can be put on the podcast. Oh. It's supposed to be square, 600 by 600
2: deal
1: with it. Just Could deal it. It's supposed to be 300 by 300, and I made that, and I was like, crap, I can't read it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, last uh, last week, I believe we had the privilege of being in uh, Joshua's uh, super and we talked about the Karaites, and unfortunately, the two men that were watching the recorder did not tell me when it stopped recording. We ran out of room on the recorder and uh, I happened to notice it after a while and they said, oh yeah, that happened a while ago. (laughs) So they deleted some stuff and we continued to record. So we got some good stuff there and I'm going to get some pieces parts of that for you. Um, But I wanted to give you a more official layout of this, this current position and get your thoughts uh, on the record. So before we start, uh, I do want to congratulate you for lowering your national debt. Uh, finally, you're one day lower than you were before. Okay. And if we continue along this trend, maybe it'll last till Christmas and we'll actually begin to get out of debt as we defund everything. Uh, that our uh, socialist government has put into place over the <laughs> past few years.
2: <laughs>
1: and a big shout-out to the uh, gentleman in British Columbia who listens to us on a regular basis who just had a baby boy and is looking for a... Uh, oh well, wow. in British Columbia, I guess... How many days be- does he have left? Uh, I think he has s- six days left. Christmas. Maybe seven. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the last day it's flint in your. Wait, I brought my knife. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, anyway, we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> he, do is, it. he is. He is. He's already been turned away by the uh, the first. Uh, well, ask him if he person. has
0: an iPhone or an iPad. Do Rabbi grab a Daniel you can't cut
1: things, things Yeah, head head. you can't <laughs> cut. <This laughs> well, that's cut. the point. He can
0: do that. Or
3: can get a <laughs> <laughs> yes, get In America, they
1: put you in jail for that. Maybe not in Canada, but yeah, I don't, yeah. You did what to his what? I don't think so. All right. So, let's talk about monolithic misdirection, which is really, if you think about it, what is coming out of the carrot movement today. We've got a couple of premises. The first one is that all the rabbis, all the rabbis, every one of them is unsaved and has rejected Yeshua that's a monolithic approach what's the reality? that Rabbi
3: Perlmutter is an excellent example of a modern messianic yeah. rabbi, rabbi. who actually believes based on the Siddur that there were many messianic rabbis throughout history because there's so much messianic Yeshua based stuff in, in the Siddur the
1: good Thank you. Thank you. Not sort of And in the box, right? Exactly. What's interesting with him is he didn't consult, consult any Christians either. Yeah, and really didn't want. Actually, to he, yeah, he was kind of negative about Christians. He was. Yeah. We, yeah. We, don't we don't really know that. who's saved and unsaved. I'm sorry, I don't <laughs> think they could hear you. We don't really know who's saved and unsaved. It's interesting how he leans forward and says at the same time. <laughs> <right? laughs> yes, <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. true. We don't that. know who's saved or unsaved, and we cannot know, and <coughs> we would posit not really rejected Yeshua as much as, as just not heard of it. Good. Now, how, how could it be that someone who lives in the 20th century or the 21st century has not heard of Yeshua? I don't understand how you could mean it. There's been a monolithic misdirection from the church. Ah, a monolithic misdirection from the church.
4: Yeah, I think there's another monolithic misdirection, and that is, what's the point? What's it matter? Why right. does it matter that whether a rabbi thinks is saved or unsaved?
1: Okay, well, now you raise a good point, and, and we—I think we brought that up in the Sukkah—that you know, if my plumber hasn't accepted Yeshua as the Messiah, will I still let him work on the pipes? Right. I'm not—I'm not getting him for that. Well,
4: there's not spirit. There's not. There, you you wouldn't. You wouldn't necessarily have any spiritual value from a unsafe uncle. Well,
2: I don't know if that's true. But I, I'll give you i give you an example, and
4: that is uh, just the pure language issue. Um, we can we can pull up a Strong's Hebrew dictionary, or we can go to the Nazi Hebrew dictionary that was uh, prevalent uh, and is still prevalent today, okay. and we can and, and we can find that that these people didn't talk to Hebrew speakers when they produced the, d- the dictionary. They don't even know the pronunciation of certain letters of the alphabet. So, are we can can we accept them for the explanation of the language that they speak in the Bible's written? And if so, can we expect that the, their rendering of the scriptures is also accurate? That? Because that's
1: what we're all using.
3: Everything's
0: bad, but the EMC.
3: Masoretes were Orthodox Jews.
1: We're going to talk about the Masoretes soon. Good. Masoretes. Masoretes, right. All right. So we see a monolithic problem here, we're talking about the rabbis, and we've got a monolithic problem in the church as well. So this isn't like a, a time period that we're talking about? What, what kind of a. We're talking about like. Acts. Yeah, you, you raise you raise a good. You raise a good point, Um I'm going to present the, the totality of the generic carrot position without appearing to treat them monolithically. No. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so one of the points that I have heard. Now, I'm not going to treat them monolithically. I'm just going to share what I've heard. It's certainly going to come off as monolithic. So, as you bump into various carrots, you deal with them as you will. But, to your point, here's what I've heard. That all the tra- All the traditions of the elders were developed by the rabbis after the death of Yeshua. So we're on this wall, right? And we've got the corner where Yeshua is born and he's... Uh, grown and raised in the traditions of Judaism and at the age of 12 he's found sitting in the temple asking questions which is a tradition in and of itself that's, that's, that's demonstrably false but no question so it's the first one but but that's the know, point, that they're saved. We can't know Well saved or unsaved, but we can know. Well, now, now you've, been, you've been missing for a couple of weeks. Now, that Holy Land
2: Holy aura, Christ. you know, Amen. we're all trying to soak <laughs> that in.
1: But we actually heard right here that the Talmud was actually written down to specifically separate Jews and Christians. Well even if it was, was written against Yeshua. But that's But that's not the point. But the that's point is after that this, is the
4: traditions were developed after Yeshua, we we the, the Talmud is not our source for knowing when the traditions came. Right. It's only a source. Exactly. And it actually backs up the so historical non Talmudic pre Yeshua documentation and history of the development of the traditions.
1: I agree. We're going to get there. We're going to see that. Yes, sir. I know that you're just bubbling over. <laughs> I, to, I haven't heard that from Catholics. You haven't heard what? That all is just the others felt by the
0: It's after the have Most, from what I've been hearing in discussions,
1: they do talk a lot about the Pharisees the Pharisees' traditions and yeah. that's during the show. Sure it is. Absolutely. Um, that's what so, I was. So, so the fact that you haven't heard well, I mean, the monolithic Karite I, I, no say this. More time
2: than I, do. I, I
1: certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, the uh, question that I have is with a statement like that, what do, what do they do with um, the fact that Yeshua um, spoke with the Purushim about... The Which is the faith. thrust of this class. Hang
3: in there. But I do think that in the case of that question, it still is hitting on the issue. Because the issue for the Karaites. Is that the rabbis developed the traditions to oppose Yeshua? In other words, the reason why they target God is the death of Yeshua, or maybe they target the Pharisees during the life of Yeshua, yes. but it's always with the idea that these traditions were anti Yeshua. Yes. And that Yeshua was anti tradition. Yes. So, nice. so you've
1: got, if you're going to string the pearl, we're going to start with the Pharisees, which turned into the rabbis, which generated the traditions, which are against Yeshua. Right. That's, that's 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 the, the argument. Nutshell, right? So we string those pearls, and we want to argue against them. We want to do it without attacking the individual. Mm-hmm. Thank you. The, the, the
5: biggest concern I have with people that take that view is, almost universally, every person that makes that statement or a statement similar yeah. Specifically, res- with respect to the Talmud, has never read. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so <laughs> it, it kind of, kind of, it, it loses it, a lot. It's like, okay, I hear your opinion, but there's just not a lot of credibility there because yeah. if you haven't actually read it. And I haven't read all seventy-three volumes. That's right. That's right, but I have <laughs> I have read several volumes. And, and we're all and trying we to, you know, to go through that. Through that. And Nothing. I can and, and I can tell you that uh, they did not write the Talmud with Yeshua in in mind to try to. I mean, Yeshua is probably the farthest thing from their mind when when they're. D- discussing yeah, absolutely. The, the Talmud. Absolutely. Well, when they're discussing the Mishnah, really, right. that's what they're right. doing. Exactly. So, yeah. to, to make the argument that the entire Talmud was written in opposition to Yeshua, just quite frankly, shows nothing but ignorance. Well, it, We had
1: a class a couple weeks ago on um, the Sacred Neighborhood, and our, our, our bottom line was this is simply poor scholarship. Right. That's really the bottom line. And how we respond to it is really gonna make some of the difference. And here it's the same thing. Whoa, hang on a second. That's that's an unbelievable statement. I have all seventy three volumes on the shelf. Pick anyone you want and let's let's See, read a little bit. I'm only
5: aware of I mean I can count on one hand of the references that right. I'm aware of, true. where they specifically invoke the name of
1: Yeshua. Okay, but we can still find at least two or three references that I can think of where they reference a rabbi who was known to follow Yeshua. Yes, that's true. Yes. The the another thing too, and I don't want to
4: overplay this, but I just so that well, I'll just say what i to say. That. We've that, you to that, that, that string okay. of pearls you just mm-hmm. yes. strung from that statement there yes. is the equivalent to the Christian Church's blood libel.
1: Okay. Killers okay. of Christ. <laughs> okay, it is. Um, uh, for uh, for on. Isaac in the back, help him understand the Christian Church's blood libel.
4: In the second, third century, and then going on and being expanded,
1: specifically
4: uh, Augustine and others, there was there was a there was a decided hatred against Jewish people for having murdered Christ. And henceforth, everything that they did was, was termed and treated as if it was disgusting. And this is precisely the same thing you're talking about. It says, basically, when they say it was developed by the rabbis after the death of Yeshua, what's their point? Their point is that they so opposed him and murdered him that, in fact, they developed a whole theology to to shield themselves and make themselves innocent.
1: Which is what the church did. Sure. And we hear the same thing with regard to the text of the word of God. That it has been changed. Yeah. Right. That all of the copies of the scriptures that were anywhere on the planet were gathered up, whited out, <laughs> fixed up, and sent back to their original rooms. Amazing. So, we uh, a couple of weeks ago we did the the whole logic thing, right? So we've got two premises that lead to a logical conclusion, and if the two premises are true, then you can come to a conclusion. Well, if this monolithic perspective is that all the rabbis are on to reject Yeshua, and all the traditions of the Elders were developed by the rabbis after the death of Yeshua, then I would submit, therefore, that all of the traditions of the elders should be rejected. That's their True premises, and that's their
2: syllogism,
1: right. What so many are true? They wouldn't accept the third point. Well, you'd have to accept to set the third point if both of those syllogisms were true. those should, premises but true. that doesn't mean that they do. If I'm it's logically true that these I two things it. are true, then you'd have to accept But they're inconsistent and they don't do that. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Be, because yeah. I would argue wrong. it can't be done. You, sure can't, you, do it all, you can't
0: wipe away all the traditions.
6: Right, it, you, it's impossible to reject every tradition from the elders. And we're gonna
1: get okay. <laughs> That's that's exactly where we're going. Okay. So but it's it's funny I too know. because it's not that we. If you were to look at any one of us and say, "Who came up with the tradition to light candles on Shabbat?" Like we don't tie that back to a specific rabbi. You don't know the guy. Elder. You don't know the guy. Do oh, you don't know if he if he knew Yeshua? Oh, wait, He's but you do that. Person. <laughs> uh-huh. No, actually, it was Sarah, Sarah. It's Sarah. amazing. Sarah, it's amazing that there is some belief that we can tie every single tradition we do to some name, and <coughs> we're lifting him up and saying he's a great guy because he came up with this tradition. It, it, it doesn't work. Out. This is a problem. <laughs> Would you agree? Yes. Yep. It is a problem to put the traditions of men over the word of God. She is there anyone here who disagrees with that? Everybody agrees with that. Right. Okay. So if we are. Well, it's, it's, it's a quote. So if we all agree with that, then I think it behooves us when we're speaking to Karaites, if that's their focus. And from that, they've derived this monolithic thing about the rabbis. Then we should be a little gentler and say, Oh, this is a good point. I, can, I have concerned turn about this in my own family. I never want to lose sight of who Yeshua is and what he's done for me. And I never want to overshadow his work or the very commandments of God for the sake of tradition. I don't worship with anyone who does. That's that's a problem, we agree. So now we got some common ground. Seventy-five percent is only four. Three out of four references to paradosis or the word tradition in Mark's Gospel are a review. It sounds like a red herring. Did you look at all the gospels? Yeah, I looked at every word, every one. By the way, paridosis does not appear at all in the Septuagint. How many references to traditions are now in the same gospel? We'll look at all of them in just a moment.
4: No, no, not, not the word.
1: The concept? No, no. no, not the concept,
4: the practice. See, the problem is that when we talk about what we do, or whatever what what anyone talks about what they do, they rarely use to say, by the way, this is a tradition, and by the way, this is a they just do. It. Exactly. Uh, you know, referencing it as a tradition, op, you know, oftentimes means that you're explaining to someone, or you're countering someone, as opposed to doing it. Exactly. The question I would have is, how many times in Mark
1: do we see a Yeshua practicing tradition? Which is exactly what my next part of the class is all about. Um, it's not sort necessarily of called a tradition but we can look and see right. that it was a tradition. But I just want to be up front with my Karite enemies and make it clear that three out of four of the references, Mark only uses four times. To- four times, Matthew, he's all over the charts. Mark, four times. Three of them are rebukes. I, just, I don't understand. Why do we need the ones out Matthew? I'm just trying to make the things. point that there is a problem that the Karaites have recognized. In the Gospel of Mark. In the Gospel of Mark, three out of four of those references are a rebuke against traditions. We can't just I I can blow off. that off and say, it never happened, the master didn't argue against it. I think we need to recognize it. And what was he raising? The first point. That's all. But we all already agree with that. So it's not a problem, as long as we recognize it. But that's not normally where we're coming from. I, I do
3: think it's important to recognize that when you, when you look at a tradition putting being an open word of God, what oftentimes I think happens is we looked at a tradition and, we put, and there's a fear of putting it over the theology that I was raised with and uncomfortable. with. Yeah. Because what I have found, the longer I have been studying Judaism's traditions, the more I have found that things that I would have had problems with at the beginning are actually very biblical. Because I actually looked at why they have the tradition in the first place. And I understood what scripture references they were using to build the tradition. So in that sense, I think that the, there is a part of the problem is not so much that we have issues and traditions over the Word of God. That's what is a, that is what is a problem. But that's not the main one that's being raised by the Terahots. Their main issue is that the traditions of men are being raised over what they think the Word of God is saying. And they haven't taken the time to look at the traditions and
1: figure out why they are what they are. I can't say you're wrong because they're not monolithic. But I can tell you that while I agree with you, and it, it, like you, I've seen the same thing in my own life. I mean, we, we, we joke about it here. Last year we read this in the Pirkei of Oats and believed that the sages had had a little bit too much wine. This year, those sages were right out of money
4: rascals are doing same it. it same
1: deal. <laughs> but we've come to a different place and we've examined where it's come from and we can appreciate it more. Now I think the, I think the problem here is it's not so much they don't like the way it's being done. I think the problem is they didn't choose how it's being done. That's so the because calories. I think the whole carite problem the underlying problem is one of rebellion. It's one of not wanting to remain under authority. And we're not even claiming who the authority is. I can personally tell you that I do not claim the rabbis of old or today as being an authority in my life. But I honor them as being unbelievably wise in the scriptures. And studying it much more than I have, and coming to a conclusion that as the older I get, it seems to be the wisest for my family. They don't approach
0: it that way. I think a really good example of this is when there's a typical blessing at the as we welcome the Shabbat, when it's not actually word for word the way it appears in the Bible as a command. Blessed be the Lord our God, King who has sanctified us with his commandments has commanded us to kindle a Sabbath flame. Well, a lot of people have a problem with that because A, they may not know where it came from. B, they see that I don't see where God commanded this but to me it's like a math problem where someone's able to do the equations in their head they see the solution they see where they started and they they didn't necessarily have to write down all the steps in between. They see where it came from and they understand it. They didn't but you have to study on your own to see, okay, well, there's this connection here that they found, and and I might not see it yet, but like you said, reading the Pirkei vote, gosh, that doesn't really sound right. He, yeah, he probably had way too much to drink when he wrote that, and then later, there's new revelation, there's new learning. And so, similarly, we can make that connection and say, you know what? God is good. He's mm-hmm. revealed more to me. Sure. And... And not have to worry about you know and i 'm and I'm, I'm completely okay with it either way, because I can kind of put the pieces together, but then there are people who say well you know i 'm just going to say a blessing that God has commanded us to sanctify the sabbath well there 's nothing wrong with that either because sure. that that 's hundred percent true, but there's you know and there 's some really cool things where we we incorporate Yeshua of the light of the world into it, and you know none of which are bad but to completely dismiss the one without
1: studying it—that's that's also bad scholarship. I heard. Mark 7:13 is the example I pulled here. Making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, in many such. And things. many such things. Which so Kara wants us to blow up. See, see, see. Yeah, there. It is. All right. So let's look at the ancient paths. Right. Thus says the Lord stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient path where the good way is and walk in it. What does that mean? Halah. Halah and find rest for your souls. Now that's Jeremiah six sixteen a It's a rebuke actually. I didn't give you six sixteen b The people said, I'm not going to do that. That's what they told Jeremiah. No, no, no. no. We're not going to do that. Which of course is exactly what. The, yeah. right the idea that somehow they came up with it on their own is not only is not only demonstrably false, it's insulting. Well, I, I think, again to your point, if we were to look at the town, if they were to look at the town,
4: Well, they still you, wouldn't see it, because all they
1: want to see is what they see. Sure, I understand. Because there's no but, scripture but, references. But you and I have looked at it. And we know that nearly every time it's an argument from one perspective against another. You say, always, almost always, their response is either, most often, the scripture says this, or it is written this, because it says this. So it's a scriptural response. The only other kind of response they give is, so-and-so said it should be this way. And then eventually they go, well, why did he say that? Because it says Yes, because the whole
4: purpose—the whole purpose for the Gemara, the Talmud's purpose was to put Scripture to what was given in the Mishnah. I mean, it's—it's exactly. it's, it's almost ridiculous to have to reiterate that. The whole purpose was to be a Bible study on the Mishnah. Exactly. To say they didn't just come up with it. Look, Rabbi Mayer and Rabbi—yeah, Rabbi Mayer and 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 uh, Yehuda Hanasi didn't just come up with this. They actually used the Bible. So here's the proof.
1: And, and a lot of times they didn't use the Bible, the people are quoting. Them. That's right. But and,
3: and to go on off of that, I think that we have to the motive here. Like this passage in Jeremiah, I know that there's some debate with the ancient passage refers specifically to the Torah. <laughs> the, the point that I, that I think it's important to note, though, is why the rabbis came up with these detailed commandments. It wasn't because they wanted to be super holy. It wasn't because they wanted to look better than everybody else. It was because they were so concerned about protecting the Torah that they didn't want to accidentally break it because they didn't know it well enough. They 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 studied every possible detail and looked at, you know, the, the number value of certain words and they asked the question, how do I do this? And if I don't do it that way, could I end up sinning by accident? And they and I mean, if you look at the, the melachot for Shabbat,
2: mm-hmm.
3: I mean probably half of the modern applications of the melachot are actually nothing to do with the original word. It's because, well, if you drag a chair across the dirt there outside, you might accidentally plow it with it, and that would be a violation of Shabbat. So it's like, the idea is, we're going to be so careful, because we respect the word of God so much, we care so much about it, the last thing on our mind is to break it. So we will intentionally, at times, put fences up to make sure we don't, and that's the motivation. And I think that's a mistake, because they look at it and they think, I guess they don't know what the motivation is, but I feel like when you think about that, I would hope that's always our motivation. I hope we're not walking into something going, Well, if I sin, oh well, you know, God'll forgive me later, but oh. I'd rather do that. It's more fun.
1: Yeah, I think most of the most of the characters are looking at it that way. They're they're looking more at it as why do I need to do this? Oh, well hang on. You were next. next. I've been too
0: slow. good. I've been looking at the uh, the Men of Torah podcasts and that work, listening to them starting back from 2011 and just trying to pick the ones with interesting titles. <laughs> yeah, now we know what to do. <laughs> and uh, just kind of, I'll, I'll kind of get through the middle of it, oh, this is kind of what they're talking about, and then I'll go back and listen to the whole thing. Uh, this whole thing has been dealt with like four times since yeah. 2011. Yeah. So, what... As the good
1: doctor would say, what seems to be the problem? The problem <laughs> is that,
2: that as, as
1: Sa'adia Gaon mm-hmm. in 800 of the Common Era realized, that this insidious, rebellious sickness is not Judaism, it is against Judaism, mm-hmm. and as such has the potential to tear communities and general believers asunder. Yeah. And, this and, I will, time. and it has happened every time it's been raised. And I will do everything in my power to make sure that the next carite that comes through that door will not just have one loudmouth Italian against him. He'll have every guy in this room able to deftly be able to explain why he is in error. That's why. And Every time somebody comes in, goes, oh, traditions, and runs out the door, we're going to do this class again. That's a big Yes. A well, <Well>, couple of
5: <laughs> things. One is, with respect to an example like the 39 Okay. what happens if we work on Shabbat according to the Torah? We got
3: it.
5: Well, we bring corruption to the whole community. Right, but but if you work on Shabbat, the Torah-prescribed punishment from God is death. So, and the word for work in the Hebrew is malachot, okay? So, you better know (laughs) what malachot is and isn't because it literally, in the minds of the rabbis, and I would argue, you know, we should have a similar view here, is life is or death. life or death. There can't be a lot of fuzzy. <laughs> egg, you know, I mean, it's kind of like you better know which power line is high voltage or not. And if you're not sure, probably just stay away from all of them, right? So oh, to, to make a fence around all of those. <laughs> so, the, but the point the point is. If you if you're just looking at um, if you're just look if you're if you're spiritualizing everything at the expense of the pushat of what you're actually doing then you don't need to really know how to do it because doesn't matter. it doesn't really matter it's a spiritual lofty idea right but if you are committed to the pushat Right? And that's not to say that there's not spiritual lofty ideas associated with all of these concepts, because there certainly is. But they can never replace or usurp the brashat. And the shot says if you, if you malachot on the, on the Sabbath, you could die. So therefore, I better be really clear on what is malachot again it's not. So again,
1: not. we know what to do and what not to do. We just don't know how to do or not do. Quickly on.
0: The point that I saw from the letter for the ages that I think really brings this this up to Yeshua's teachings, I think that's great, Mm -hmm. is that there's a great number of these fences put in place because older generations realize, you know, we are so weak in this area. We have to, you know, in love first for God and then love for. Our neighbor, as it were, our family, you know, the people in our community, because we know what a typical stumbling block will be. There's a, you know, retelling of a story where the guy, you know, there's a five-star delicacy restaurant, but it's non-kosher that moves to the town. The, you know, the mom, you know, the father says, don't, you know, don't go there. And then the mom just says, you're going to get the beating of a lifetime if you go even anywhere near that place. So then, even like end up on the same street or block with, with it because you know you're going to go in there. This is love, it's at its finest because, you know, if if it if it's a minefield or the penalty is death, you know, it's like okay, how much clearer can I be? You know, as far as you know, the Malakota concerned, you know, we're not clear what biblical work is. It it doesn't prescribe specifically in the written Torah, what, what that means. So they said that since God said, working on my holy tabernacle, even though this is a holy structure, I'm not even going to have that being done on a Shabbat. So they d- discovered that the works and the processes and, and metalworking yeah, and, yeah. and
1: everything regarding that was... And then we get to <laughs> the okay. Exactly. Right, so before I move off of this this, this. Particular slide, ask for the ancient paths.
2: Hmm.
1: Where the good way is. It seems like the paths are the way we walk along the good way. I'm just seeing a difference here. Maybe we should move But we're going to move slide. on. But I'd well, like I, you to write us a little I, dissertation. This Torah <laughs> my my right. view is that is
5: it the, are the ancient paths the Torah? Well, yes but you can't separate the Torah from how you walk it out and those, the how you walk it out are, there's traditional under- understandings of how you walk it out it seems like
0: a very kooky argument to have two points about the mission of the Talmud both oh, in no, CE
1: and how this Jeremiah passage representing tradition. no 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 I just wanted to talk about the ancient paths and bring up before I showed that I showed this first this is to answer the question I knew was going to come when are we talking about this it's not from back there this is all here on this wall they're saying the master lived breathed died was resurrected everything was groovy and then the rabbis came up with all these traditions afterwards and and I believe that Jeremiah was making clear that that's not the case. And now I can start my class, which is supposed to end in five minutes. Thank you. people. That that's good. So here's my game plan. All right? If Yeshua practiced a given tradition of the elders, or he did not rebuke those who practiced a given tradition of the elders,
4: or
2: He encouraged
1: the practice of a given tradition of the elders. What can you conclude? That's a good tradition. There's you can't write wrong. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Because they're saying the rabbis made all this stuff up after he died. They did that over here. So if we can see any of these three, and to many of your points in this discussion, we will see that. If we can see any of these, even one, we've completely discounted this argument that they came up with it afterwards. Get your Bibles out. Yes, just real short. Yeah, please. Get your Bibles I
4: recently had someone give me the position that you couldn't possibly have Yom Kippur on the date this year that we had it. Because, no. because after all the moon had not yet been sighted at the time when we were celebrating it. My response was, who sighted it? And they and the re- and the re- reply was, Nehemia Gordon. Well, so here got- we don't know about some rabbis that gave us a tradition. Whether they're saved or not saved. But we have by the man's own mouth that he rejects Yeshua as a sign. And yet, 100%, and I won't be monolithic, but 100% of Messianic Karaites follow Nehemiah Gordon's perspective of yes. when the and when the moon is is be not in the
1: Bible, by the way. And and so wait, and we're he, not
4: going to follow those rabbis, but you're going to follow that rabbi.
1: And well, he has rejected being a rabbi. His father was a rabbi. But my point, the my grand point is, they're <laughs> treating
4: him like a rabbi. You bet they are. And,
1: <laughs> and the amazing thing is, you and I actually sat in the room when we heard him say, and what he, he rejects his And
4: not only, not only did we hear him do all that, what I saw him do to his act, now that was 10 years ago, but his act was, it doesn't matter if he's Jewish or not, it was absolutely disgustingly anti-Semitic unbelievably anti semitic
1: and a a a just a complete disregard for authority that is actually written commanded in the word of God it was doing his father, and father it was dishonoring
4: it was spiteful i mean he has nothing he doesn't you know talking about the church would be one thing but he's not talking about the church he's talking about c- considerably his own family
1: right. in disrespect exactly Alright, we're gonna move faster now so you can get out of here before midnight, right? Unless she's gonna have the baby, in which case I win the baby pool.
2: <laughs> no text, yeah. No text, yet. Who's yeah. Say, who's Saint Matthew? No, Saint Matthew. I thought I'd throw, throw that in there. Yeah, for the carites. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright. You
1: mean Levy? So <laughs> in Matthew chapter nine, verses fourteen and fifteen, the master is talking about fasting. So, open your Bibles read the passage, and understand what's happening here. What is happening? What's the deal here? Pharisees come up, as I recall from reading the passage, and they say, hey, we don't really get it. Now, I'm going to completely skip over the fact that he was traveling with Pharisees. I believe in Matthew 9, he was in the Galilee. The Pharisees don't Pharisees. live in the Galilee; they actually live in Jerusalem. So they're following him. So isn't this the spot where they say, yeah. "How come your your disciples don't follow the traditions they all It's actually the, the disciples of John. Oh, the disciples of you. John. Okay. Say we and the Pharisees are fasting. Why aren't, Why aren't you? Disciples? Okay. So what's what's his response? Is his response? I can't his, figure out what His response guys, is traditional! I can't believe why you guys would be fasting on on a day that's not Yom Kippur. What's wrong with you? No, that wasn't his
2: response. What was his response? Don't you know the tradition? The we fast on the bridegroom? Yeah, I was going to
6: say, can, can can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is... Well, I don't know. Can that's they? How do
0: we know that they are? <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Where the Torah does it say that? <laughs> Where the Torah does it say to fast on Yom
2: Kippur? Should I wonder. If every yeah. time. That's right.
1: That was <laughs> another thing. <laughs> Where do we get the uh, the understanding that you should not fast when the bridegroom is? Sukha, <laughs> 20. Probably i I'm going to guess it's somewhere <laughs> in the town then. <laughs> Dar, you don't God. you hate that? <laughs> well, What's the master doing? Well, it's for wait, the traditional a wedding. wedding, exactly. And I he's, he's quoting, quoting from what ended up in Tom. the he's in what? A what was what the reference there? there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tim
0: Let's see if it's 25b. <too> oh. <laughs> oh, I thought you
1: <laughs> just made that, that The, was the, totally the really references that I'm really giving you really out confused. of Matthew. That's a tell- uh, Tim Hag that. has in an article on his site, which I'll post. Uh, I'll link to when it's we bring really this up. To pull up right yeah. It's so cool. I
2: mean, <laughs> <you know>. <laughs> <laughs> Iowa. <7. laughs> so, so he's taking not
1: a scriptural <laughs> position, he's taking a traditional <laughs> position. So, well, what are you do with this now? Remember the whole game plan. But right? A traditional position now became scripture.
2: That's right.
1: <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> oh. I mean, what if the Master just took the oral tradition, because there is no Tom. codified it. Right? There is no tome. He just took the oral tradition and said, yep, Guys, this is the way it is. Don't you know that? Almost like he's expecting that they should know it and live it. Mm-hmm. Yes. They didn't know it. They
4: just didn't apply it. Yeah
1: relations. This is the whole thing with, in uh, 1024, with master versus uh, slave and teacher and disciple. And he says that in the end the master uh, will recognize that his, his disciple is just like him. Right? There's a relationship going on here. But this whole relationship issue that he's describing between disciples and teachers and servants and masters and all of that is nowhere in the scripture. Nowhere. In fact,
3: it's ironic we're talking about Yeshua discussing things with his disciples, which is entirely a repeating concept: <laughs> having
1: disciples. What's a disciple? the true shit. The law. This one's great. If, you have, if you're looking at the Scripture, you want to look at this one in Matthew 12, 5. He quotes the law. Somebody read that
5: one. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath
1: and are blameless? I've never read that in the law. Can, can anybody tell me where it's in Leviticus none. that is? Maybe it's in Numbers? It's not. Maybe it's Deuteronomy. Surely it's not Genesis so we didn't have a temple. Then. Well, first of all, it's, yeah. we don't have a temple. So, how is that the case? He's quoting Mishnah. This is big, guys. Mm -hmm. He is quoting the oral law. I don't want to call it the Mishnah, because we don't have a Mishnah yet, because the Mishnah is the writing down of that oral law by the rabbi. So, here he's saying, have you read it in the the law? law. That's big. So, I'm looking for nuggets that I can memorize and have when I'm talking to people that have this perspective. Matthew twelve five. Write it down. This is big. But he, so he's saying reading, as so if it was written down. It wasn't written down.
3: So, but when he says read, like what? Why would he be saying? Because again, the oral traditions—not all of them—but. Majority of them, I would say, are based on what you read. They're inferred. Yeah. So what Yeshua is doing here is he's playing off of the oral tradition understanding okay, what is keeping the Sabbath? Well, you can't light a fire, you're not supposed to cook based on the fact and by the way, it doesn't have say that, based on the fact that you can cook on the Yom Tov. It's like well, you that, it highlights you're allowed to cook on the Yom Tov, therefore we assume or infer you can't cook on Shabbat. Now, the priest, the offerings and all that stuff, he's taken meat and throw it in the middle of a giant fire all day. He's required to do that by the Torah, which says you offer sacrifices on Shabbat. So basically this whole oral argument is entirely the scriptures, but none of it's spelled out in the scriptures. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say, by the way, the priest shall offer this offering, which by the way is technically a violation of Shabbat, but don't worry about it because it's in the temple. That's not anywhere in there. But the 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 oral tradition looked at it and said, We got this verse, we got this verse, we got this verse, bring them together. Here is what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do,
1: but here's an exception for the priest, and here's why. So the bottom line is they're reading the scriptures and providing their interpretation on how to keep it. So they're not making that. And that's that's their understanding of the scripture. And he calls that, that understanding of how to keep it the. Law. That's extraordinary. Notice I have a small l, so no one gets <laughs> But even I
3: mean, like, there's other examples of this throughout the Scripture. Nehemiah, for example. We're going to get to other examples in the Scripture. We're we'll staying in St. Matthew,
1: please. We're staying in St. Matthew. Much Washing much. of hands. How does this work? In fifteen one. Priests, by the way, wash their hands before they. Came. I've seen. Matthew 15.1. What's the deal here? <laughs> the does the Master say in Matthew 15.1 that we should not wash our hands? Somebody read the verse. No one said anything in that verse. Well, that's one and two. Why do your disciples
6: break the tradition of the elders for they do not wash their hands and they eat?
1: What's his response? He answered them.
6: And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Ah!
1: So does he ever say this... Hand-washing deal is a problem. What did he do? He used the question about his disciples, by the way, not him. They never said he didn't wash his hands. Why do your disciples not wash the hands? So what what was his ploy here? He's using their question to ask another question. Are you the Messiah? I'll tell you, you know, who gave this authority? I'll tell you who gave this authority if you tell me if John was of God.
6: <laughs> and, and he's almost doing a uh, get the speck out of your eye type of thing. Yeah, I realize his, his response is very much that. Um,
1: does he negate the tradition of the elders to wash their hands? He really doesn't. Explicitly, no. He does seem well, to have
3: okay. an issue with the idea of it being taught as a commandment. Directly, mm-hmm. I mean, he mm-hmm. does he, later he says encourages. teaching his doctrine as a piece of cement. But so does not say that's the doctrine that's being taught. But then
1: ten and eleven, he does do the Mark seven, which does address washing our hands. Ways. Ways. But it's a bodily person, no. He doesn't say don't wash your hands. No, I know, but he he's trying exactly to make a the 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 theological point. Not circumventing the entire question about hand washing. Well, I'm saying is he never says stop this tradition of washing your hands. Which he does do in other cases. Actually, he, he he's a, he is
4: addressing, what's called hypocrisy. But also, he's addressing the reason why it was popular washing hands. Not the theological reason why it washed hands. Theologically, the Pharisees washed hands because the mm-hmm. priests washed their feet and their hands before serving. Right. But in practice, and why the people treated it much more... Uh, it was much more popular practice
1: was well, because of superstition. You bet. We can hop mm-hmm. uncleanness from vessel to vessel. Are you yes. just saying this to the point of that it's not a rebuke? Yes. It's not a rebuke. Yeah. Of those three points I put up. Thank you, Jim. Alright. Barachah, Matthew fifteen thirty-six. This is big. I would memorize this one along with twelve five. What does Yeshua do? He gives thanks to God for the food before he eats. Now, why would he do that? We're only commanded to go afterwards. Deuteronomy chapter 8, we're commanded to bless God after we eat and we're full, and our bellies will cause us to forget God, and that he is the provider, and opens his hand and provides for every living thing. So what's he doing here? Is he making a new tradition? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. He is continuing a long held tradition. Now what's odd about this particular tradition? Did the master wash his hands before he ate? Maybe. 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 Okay. I it's funny that when they approached him in the previous verse in 15, they didn't say, how come you and your disciples or you and the disciples of John or you anybody else? How come those guys don't? They didn't say he didn't. That's interesting. I know. It's an argument from silence. Yeah. But yeah. I just want to point out that... Also, God blesses his keeping of the tradition because the meaning that for this is the loaves. Yeah. So if God... I going to get into that. Okay, <laughs> okay so it sounds like it sounds like God liked what He did. All right, so He blesses the food. What's What's odd about blessing food, before, blessing God for I the food know. before we <laughs> eat? Well, now it's the Christian tradition. It's right? the Christian tradition. It's the Christian. I'm sorry. What tradition? Oh, it's the Christian tradition. What's
3: interesting about this is that this, His blessing of God before He eats becomes a staple. That uh, when he when he does the blessing before the bread and breaks the bread before in front of the guys from on the Red Emmaus type deal. That's, whether it's all supernatural, lifting of the veil at that moment or not, that is the point when they go, I know that guy! So it's like this was, like, it was almost like a defining point for him. Which actually, I don't know how old his particular blessings were, but it does kind of make it. it's kind of funny like in this group, it's really, you know, Listen to my, my parents do the Homozi blessing. It sounds like one thing. If you listen to how the wine blessing was done by the Ubums on Saturday night for Abdallah, it's a different tune. You guys have your own tune. So every family basically has their own like two version. our version of the version of the tune. Yeah, per yeah, se. But they're right. all but they're all the same words, just different tunes. But you can tell by the tune. Oh That's the tune. switcherini tune. I know that tune. So it's like Yeshua is almost defined by his minhah, his, minha, his yeah. tradition, I, of a tradition.
1: Yeah, I would argue that that's not what caused the rise to But it's still interesting that that's the point. It's cool, but I don't think it's true. I, think, I don't think there's a man in this room that ever does the most without lifting up. Picks up the bread in some way. Mm. And I don't care what you're wearing. You lift up the bread, I'm going to see your wrists. And there is no question. That body is the same body that he was buried with. That body has the stigmata. That body has those holes. And I bet they saw those holes and went, Holy crap, it's him. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> well, they probably oh, didn't say that. Oh, man. Hell <laughs> <we go? laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, but yes, it could have been a two. All right, next one. It is. It is odd that the blessing that is a tradition has become a tradition in the church. And I think every far, every carrot I know in the visible expression of the church today blesses God or the food. There's a little corruption. Blessing pizza instead of blessing the man <laughs> who provided the stuff for the pizza. Bless, Bless so, this food or God. That's right. Bless us bodies and us to your service. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. This one's kind of cool. This is the hanging deal, 2240. He gives us the Shema and then Leviticus 19. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbors yourself. On these two hang the law and the prophets. That is absolutely a concept that comes from the oral tradition, not from the scriptures. This whole hanging deal. The fact that it's these two. Well known and then preserved later on in the Torah.
6: And that that same, those two passages, that, that's almost verbatim what
3: Gilal um, was saying before Yeshua. That's exactly right.
1: Before he was born. That's right.
3: That's a couple of times where, like, I mean, the golden rule is basically a, an inverted version of what Halal already said. That's right.
1: That's exactly right. What sanctifies the gold? Is it the gold or the altar? Is it the temple? What's the deal with this? We're in Matthew 23, 16, 17. So let me read out. This one's bizarre. Woe to you blind guides who say if anyone swears by the temple it is nothing but if anyone swears by the goal of the temple he is bound by his oath. You blind fools for which is greater the goal or the temple that has made the gold sacred? How can he possibly say that it's the temple that sanctifies the
4: well, that that is part of the oral tradition. The transmission of both sacred and common is is part of well, the tradition. Part, is well known as part of the tradition. the
3: yeah. the scriptures don't discuss transmission. It does. Although I mean, it's derived Why? because, like, for example, yes. an offering. If you, if you promise to give an offering, it that becomes offering holy. becomes holy. Well, not,
1: not only that. I mean, if you bring something into the temple, tub-
3: and if you if you put something touches, touches the altar, the altar yeah. it becomes holy. Yeah. So it's it's again. So something we've already talked about. This is this is the same concept. You take what the scripture says literally, then you make the obvious infer from that. If 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 it touches the altar, it's holy. Well, that would... The temple's also holy, so if it's brought into the temple, then it potentially is holy too. Well, maybe it was the altar. God, maybe it was the altar. If it's given to God, that makes it holy, so if you brought it into the temple with the intention of giving it to God, then it's holy. I mean, you know.
1: sense that everything that came in people. Sure. It's impossible to bring in sins and all Okay. So again, he's quoting tradition, not scripture. Uh tithing. This one's fun. Oh yeah. This no, one's no, a no. slam dunk, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're here for the slam dunk. Matthew 23, 23. You, you guys. Hippocrates. Yeah, what are you doing? You're tithing mint and cumin. And what's the other dill. one? Dill. Dill? Dill. 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 Which is, is a fine Yeah. This is this is you're getting down to how should we tithe? How should we tithe? Let me tell you how to tithe. You tell your students how to tithe. And on and on it gets passed down from father to son, from master to student. This is not show me. Do you have anywhere else you've got dill in the
3: well, and again, we inference here. The reason why the tithing issue. No, no, no.
1: we know it's an inference. The point is, it is not in the scriptures. Like are crops. The question is, what are crops? Precisely. I mean, the point is, they have come up with a tradition that this is what we should do. And they're doing it. Does he say you shouldn't tithe the spices? No, should in no, he should do more. Worse than that. He not only doesn't say they shouldn't, he says, he says should you do. should be doing that and more. Yeah. Now, wait a second. This is another one you might want to memorize. Yeah, actually, that's huge. That's big. Because the only thing we're supposed to find is
4: what we harvest on from the land, whereas these are not things we plant.
5: These They're are weeds. weeds. Whoa, whoa. I think there's, uh, I'm, I'm confident that um, the requirement for tithe only is only, you're only required to tithe from the seven species in right. the ship. Okay. These are not them. Correct. Okay. These are weeds. Right. These are, these are weeds. Nice. <laughs> you know, <but> <laughs> Good for pizza, <laughs> you, but pizza you, <laughs> This was a. This was a just another finer point of oral, oral, you know, um, Torah that yeah. was discussed. Let's, let's if we're going to tithe, let's tithe everything. Right. And so, yeah. So Yeshua was saying, yeah, you should do that, but don't
1: do that at the expense of sure. all the other way. Sure. Sure. Things. So I, I, I don't want to do, blow it out. Yeah. But the bottom line is, Yeshua is actually affirming an obvious tradition in this verse, just as he practiced a tradition in the raha the And it's like, from
3: all places. I mean, isn't it the same chapter where he says, by the yeah. way, don't do what they do, do what they say? Yeah. This chapter is the one where he blasts the Pharisees for doing for hypocrisy. Right. And yet in the middle of his rebuke, he actually finds things that they're
1: doing that are traditions and says, that's good. Keep doing that. Yeah. And you should keep doing that. Yes. Exactly right. And then my last one here, or actually Tim's last one, uh, although I think we've thrown in a couple here, the Sabbath, uh, Matthew 24 20. This is the, you know, on a Sabbath day's journey. That's not in Jim Haig actually points out in his uh, article that if you want to try and get a Sabbath day's journey out of, don't go out of your place in Exodus you're on a losing trip, already.
0: Well, right. well, it doesn't say Sabbath day's journey here It just says faith's not even a good shops."
1: Okay, I could have chosen later on No, twenty one. Right, where he mm-hmm. goes, he's like that would have been That's right, it wouldn't have been St. Matthew. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what, I mean, what, would there even be a different point for him saying it? That your flight does not have on the Shabbat okay. besides yeah. That? yeah, other than um, like I I oftentimes will not carry my handgun on Shabbat. You know. And the Orthodox have, have problems, some of them have problems in Israel with with the Israeli army soldiers carrying their weapons mm-hmm. on Shabbat. So there's there's a halakhic problem there with should I be carrying a weapon? Should I be prepared to use a weapon? Mm-hmm. Isn't that work? Yeah yeah, yeah. now we gotta deal with okay life you know trumps this and that. Yeah. See, Bottom was, line my, is my, we relax on Shabbat. My view because of the
5: context here about the abomination of desolation which is the event that that already happened back what it's now he's saying it's going to happen anyway yeah, yeah. so uh, in the context here I actually my current view is he's not making so much of a halakhic statement he's making a statement sure. about when the event's yeah. going to happen. A- when it
1: happens, yeah, you don't want it to be on Shabbat, because you're probably not going to be prepared for it. And wait, wait, it's going to no it 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 happen on be- Shabbat. And you don't want it to happen in the winter, because it's going to be a thing. They're all going to be nursing
2: mothers. Yes. Are pregnant. All It'll right, reclining. <laughs> there'll be a bunch of pregnant people.
1: That's right. Matthew twenty six twenty.
2: He reclines at the table.
1: He reclines at the table for the Pesach meal.
2: <laughs>
1: that whole deal is nothing but a tradition. In fact, afterwards, <laughs> it's recorded in the Talmud, that you must recline on Pesach before you yeah. make it. And then verse 30, it mentions these things for
2: him. It's before going out, which is another one. But I'm going to get into that in a second.
1: The halal. The halal, right. Which is completely traditional. But the examples given from Matthew's Gospel demonstrating that Yeshua was clearly practicing and promoting the traditions of the elders. Was that Why is, is that enough? Is that, is that well, do it? No, nah, let's keep going. What about the apostles? <laughs> and it's at this point that I would recommend and suggest to you that, uh, which I've started to do this week, let's read the Gospels. Let's read the Gospels. out a lot of special highlighter and you know, use your little highlight thing in your Word. Write it out if you want. Write out where you've got stuff like what Peter just said, that they sang a hymn afterwards. Now, why did they sing a hymn? Because it was a tradition to sing a hymn. In fact, we knew it wasn't really called a hymn back then, if it's the halal, in Psalms 113 through 118. It's the tradition. It's always been a tradition. Of which most a lot of it was prophetic about that particular event. <laughs> exactly particular right. <laughs> so, so, I would suggest that you take a look at the Gospels and find where as Rick brought up earlier it's not necessarily saying it's a tradition it doesn't use the word he's just living and in so doing he is blowing away all the traditions I gave you all five of these references at the same time 1 Corinthians 11 Galatians 1 Colossians 2 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3 you don't have to look them all up bottom line is that Paul is not only encouraging his uh, fellow congregations to keep the traditions, he's exhorting them to do so in the manner in which he told them the traditions, whether in writing or by word. Specifically, the last two are extraordinary as he lifts that up. Now, there are some folks who would have said, and I've heard them say to me when I brought this argument up, well, he made those traditions up. <laughs> so I guess it's, you know, there's two problems with that. Number one, it's okay for him to make traditions, but it's not okay for me. Is that okay for the other rabbi? How about Gamaliel's teacher? Was that okay? There's, there's a lot of belief out there that, Gamaliel may have had a soft spot in his heart for sure. He certainly stepped up for the apostles when they are about to uh, be before the uh, council. So was Gamaliel okay? Okay, so we've got to know the motive of the heart. We've got to know the belief in the, in the head. Um, oh, you know. worry, yeah, the just, it's hard to believe. The second thing is, traditions are multi generational You don't make a tradition. You establish one, and then it's practiced. So I would ask you to consider a couple of things. For example, Acts two forty-two. They devoted themselves. These are the uh, early believers in Yeshua on the uh, uh, right after the resurrection to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The definite article is there. What are the prayers? But actually, the yeah, mean <clears throat> Plural is no. the prayer.
4: So Sh- the, our translation here is is intentionally deceptive.
1: Oh, I would I would say, sir, that this one is one of the best because ones out there. The prior not down that, there; it's the Prior to that, the wasn't even in it. Right. You're right. So what's the prayer? Shmona sresh.
2: Okay.
1: The. Yeah. Well, the other the other
5: interesting thing there too is. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, if we're sola scriptura, why would, we would they the, Well, they were. They to was the Bible. speaking or the, the
3: scriptures Jesus. as they were sitting there, were hearing Matthew's gospel firsthand. Absolutely, good point.
1: Good point. Is it so? Is it really the the, the uh, uh, I guess Greek or whatever? It, it is singular. Enough? It is singular and it does have the definite order. The I, even if it's plural, the prayers. Not any prayers, not prayer in general, but the prayer. It's amazing. But of course. It's always in the church to just say like prayer. Prayer, that's yeah, right. Man, you know, yes, they do what it's supposed, it's supposed to. What? Supposed Breaking the bread, right.
4: so we got to eat, and we've got to pray. And, uh, and, actually, that and actually, 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 that's a really good question. Where said. in Scripture are sure. we ever commanded to pray? I mean, the, the the apostolic scriptures are replete with reference and inference and direct command that we pray. Where in the Torah does it say we should pray? And what is prayer? It is only by
1: tradition that we
4: know what prayer even is.
1: The Masoretes, we talked about these guys with the uh, Textus Receptus. The fact that those vowel points are in there and you have any idea how to even read the Word of God. The fact that you've got any kind of commentary from the sages that describes what are Messianic passages? Do you think that the Gentiles in the seventeen and 1800s, as they're arguing with Rome about whether or not we should pay for indulgences, had any idea which passages were Messianic on their own? <laughs> no. They read the Sages of Israel and understood which ones. How about Hanukkah? The Feast of Dedication was a big deal for the Master. He was always in the Temple when that was going on. And he used it. Here's the light of the world. Talking about the miracle of life. And dedication, which is unbelievable. He was there. Well, that's just a tradition. Why was he there? If all traditions, especially those of non-believing rabbis, are bad. The weekly parasha, the haftarah, or as he did, following the tradition, reading, then sitting, and then teaching. Do you know that Judaism today will tell you that the most ancient record of a synagogue prayer service is found in the apostolic right?
5: Orthodox Judaism will also tell you that the Nishmat, that some lady in our congregation stands up and reads every time we gather, is accredited to Shimon Kepa, the disciple.
2: Represent.
1: (laughs) So that was Peter. Dick. I wonder how you can get get by tossing all traditions when there's so many traditions that the master kept, that we keep. The traditional fasts. Zechariah brings those up twice. Actually, God brings them up through Zechariah twice. In Zechariah chapter seven. He rebukes them for these traditional fasts and asks them, where was your heart? Did you think I really liked that when you were doing that? Your heart wasn't in it. I didn't like it. Here's, here's the creator of the universe actually recognizing that they've got these traditions in the fast of the 4th, the 5th, the 7th, and the 10th. And then later on, a chapter later in 819, he makes it clear that he's going to use these traditional fasts as he turns them from days of gloom, darkness, fasting and mourning, into days of gladness and joy. you get the, our Heavenly Father using the traditions of men by evidently unsaved, terrible rabbis. And he's going to use them to glorify himself and use it as a sign for the world. Even the practice of
5: assembling together in a synagogue on the Sabbath is a tradition of which the gospels say and Yeshua went into the Sabbath into the as, Synagogue on the Sabbath was his as was his custom or
1: yeah. his practice. Why did he remain his And and Paul did the same thing. He sought out the synagogues. Synagogue. And the last one I've got there for that is the affliction of your souls. Everybody know where that's from? Yeah. What? You know what, what is it? It doesn't say it fast. It does not say to fast. The only command fast in the Bible doesn't say to fast. It says it should be as able to afflict your souls. That was the funny part about everybody talking about having Yom Kippur on a day that wasn't Yom Kippur was they all
4: talked about fasting. Why are you talking about fasting if you can't follow the tradition of when it is?
1: <laughs> the other thing that got me was the people that said, well, today's not Yom Kippur. Man, did you see how full the moon was? Did you think Yom Kippur is three days later? <laughs> that was Sukkot. Sukkot was the full moon. Yeah, Sukkot was the 15. Sukkot. It was, it was Sukkot. So yeah, we're, to n- fly, we're not going yeah. yeah, to do our thing. It was, it was a Sukkot thing. They were saying the same thing. It was incredible. They're looking at the moon and commenting on how full it is, but it's not the 15. The fact that you said, right, the traditions are ancient. Yes.
3: I mean, that's the traditional fasts that are older than the prophets are done. Also, Nehemiah, for those of you who keep Shabbat by not spending money on Shabbat, yes. you have Nehemiah, who came back from Babylon, to thank for that understanding of the scriptures. Because nowhere in the Torah does it ever say you can't buy or sell on Shabbat. But Nehemiah, being the very wise sage that he is, looked at the passage that talk about work on Shabbat and realized that if you can't make your servant or your maid servant work, you shouldn't be paying the Gentiles to work, work for you either. Exactly. True. Sure.
2: Well, I had raised, raised my hand a little earlier when I
3: was thinking about the fast, and it's quite interesting, that he's talking about why you guys
0: fast, you know, it's, it's like, or it doesn't make sense, and I'm here. Now, why should you fast for the writer is sick? And, but then he sure. talks yes. about, the, yeah. Yeah.
3: but now he's talking about the traditional. it's just interesting that it's talking about not doing fast and all of a sudden oh wait I forgot there also
1: is fast that you need to be doing unlike what you're doing exactly yeah. right alright tradition from the uh, from the web the transmission of customs are released from generation to generation or the fact of being passed on in this way from generation to generation I thought it interesting that uh, uh, recently a carrot told me that uh, Paul made up his traditions and presented them to the churches or congregations or assemblies that he established and that's not a tradition <laughs> he passed on traditions he did make them up can't make traditions up. That's not a tradition. You did something once. Now, if you do it again next year, it could become a tradition. But now, you're just repeating yourself. But if your kids do it, and their kids do it, now we've got a tradition. Um, one last thing on this slide. Uh, under the theology section of tradition, I thought it interesting that they broke it into three different things. In Christianity, is doctrine not explicit in the Bible, but held to derive from their, the oral teaching of Jesus and the apostles. Oh, yeah. Now, this is the world coming up with this. That's what the world has perceived that Christians are teaching. That, that traditions have to come from Jesus and his apostles. Morally. Orally. Orally.
3: <laughs> hmm.
1: Wait, how? I don't so I guess those are Okay. How'd that yeah, happen? Well, oh, from the oral teaching. All that supposed to come written down from. The Apostles. Okay, they're still written down, but it doesn't say that. Not explicit in the Bible. Yeah. It's not Bible. So they're saying it's that these are oral traditions passed down. So I guess traditions are good if they came from Jesus, but if a rabbi did the same thing, now it's been corrupted. Then in Judaism, <laughs> the ordinance of the oral law, not in the Torah, but held to have been given by God to Moses. We have to throw that in. Because it couldn't have been established by the people, by the elders. We have to tie it back to coming from Moses. So if you don't believe in that whole, Moses got the oral Torah, then you can discount all of it. I wonder who wrote this. And then the last one I thought was pretty cool. In Islam, a saying or ascribed to the Prophet, but not recorded in the Quran. You know, like he went to the Piggly Wiggly and bought beer. Yeah, so. uh, Other comments. Other comments on tradition. No, too slow. Sure. Here's some other arguments that I've heard. Pharisees were the worst of sinners. What do you think about that? Some were. Some argued otherwise, was uh, in the scriptures. Paul so said he was, so you he would, would say you, Pharisees generally are bad?
0: But Yeshua also calls them large. The right? He says that you know I didn't come for the, the physician's not here for the well, he's here for the sick. So Yeshua says the that clean the inside of the cup. He presumes that the outside is in fact already clean. Good. But then you need to do work it. On the what else do you know about first?
6: Can, can I share a quick thing from the rabbi in Seattle?
1: Yes.
0: He, I
6: mean, you can't give more orthodox to this guy, but he he stood up in front of everyone and said, "You know what I hate about orthodox Jews in most right now." He says there's a common modern midrash that says it's better to be a atheist Torah scholar than to be a mystic. Uh, uh, what, what's a, a mystic, un, unlearned person, uh, ign- ignoring this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so his point was, and that's the way a lot of Jews and a lot of Karaites would, would look at, at Judaism. They have no re- connection to God, and Yeshua would say the same thing to most of these guys. Right. They're, they care so much about details, but they're complete atheists. Whereas, you know, it, um, the, the other side are... Mystics, big into spirituality, big into finding God and weird things, but they just don't know and they don't care to know. Um, and uh, and modern Judaism, would, according to to the rabbi in Seattle, says that it's it's better at least to to be the guy who doesn't even believe in God. He says he's got a problem with what that what that saying can can cause people to do. Exactly. And I think Yeshua would have just has that same same opinion. That's yeah. really the problem with the first. Yeah. So so then the mystic would. Have a form of godliness, but denying the power. They're both bad. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but yeah.
1: yeah. As
3: well as the first one, you're going to get hard you hard in, in the right place then I think it's important to note that the Pharisees I, <laughs> talk about the non-monolithic group. I mean, we literally have Pharisees warning issue about the Herodians trying to kill him. Right. We have Pharisees who are following Yeshua all over the place. We have Pharisees who are actually clearly a part of the of the uh, first century believers because they show up in Acts fifteen. We have the Pharisees showing up over and over and over again as part of the group. Later, after Yeshua... Well,
1: well, before that, we've got two Pharisees bury him.
3: him. Yeah, Yeah, two Pharisees bury him. Later, after the fact, after Yeshua dies, when uh, James the Just is killed by the Sadducees, the Pharisees go to Rome to complain, because they knew it was wrong. So the Pharisees actually show up not as the enemies of Yeshua, some of them were, but... Many of them were much stronger. What's oftentimes lost is that the primary instigators and ultimately the ones who killed Yeshua were the Sadducees, exactly. who, by the way, some, in some ways,
4: actually the Carites claim uh, claim lineage to from the, the Sadducees.
1: Sadducees. It's exactly it's an op- oopsie, <laughs> oopsie. Here's another argument. I've heard the rabbis have the calendar wrong. That's a different class. It's already taught that class. It's been done. So been there, done that. Do done they really? How come it always seems to line up? Blood tetrads. That's right. Tetraids. <laughs> <laughs> Traditions of the elders are wrong. Elders? That's a pretty yeah. robust statement. Carry right? like well, that. That's, that was going to be my point before. It's
5: like if you have one tradition that you, in your explanation of the tradition,
0: you include how it relates to Yeshua, but then you have another person that doesn't include that at all, and they both look the same, then why would you discount the tradition? Because for one guy, it actually supports his Messiah. And that I would say that's the case for a lot of us. When we were
5: lighting candles on Shabbat, we're always thinking about that. Exactly. Right. And that, so that's a great thing. Why would that be
1: wrong? Just because perhaps it was originated by someone else. That, that just make sense. I think to, to just blanket the statement, say that the traditions the traditions of the elders, in their entirety, of all the wives, are wrong. We need to have a different argument. Jews practice contrary to Scripture, like swinging chickens around their heads. My response is actually a
3: controversial
1: Actually, it's illegal. Right. My response is, why do you care? What does that have to do with your holocaust? What does that have to do with how you practice? Because isn't that what we're talking about? Did you want to say, whoa, here's a Christian who slept with another man's wife? Well, I guess we can't be Christians.
2: What? <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable! I don't have a problem with the statement. he's
0: making—a blanket statement that
1: all right. Jews—that's the whole thing. They look at it the, yeah, yeah. that's the Jews." The Talmud was written to divide and separate from Yeshua. I just heard this recently. <laughs> I, I just, it sounds like somebody who's never read the Talmud or even started to read. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even <laughs> first, buddy, first page. Just read yeah. the first page, buddy. So, all right. we should all read the first pages? So. so if if you are approached by someone who says, "Oh, I, I, I see you're using a prayer book. I see you're wearing a kippa. I see that uh, you're uh, a mezuzah. yeah, you've got a mezuzah. So yeah, I, I just I just can't buy into that stuff from the from the others. What would be your first response? First response. Remember, we want to look for a gentle approach. What's your first response? What traditions do you follow? What traditions do you follow? Obviously, you're you're unpleased yeah. with my traditions. What traditions do you follow? Right. Good. So, so now we so put the ball right back in their court. We're not going to make a statement. As a, oh, my traditions are... About, no. Just answer a question or or, or leave yeah. with a question, a question and let them... them and Good. the problem Good. Good. for
4: that, of course, is and where did they come from? Mm-hmm. You, know, you can you can you can easily pick one or two of any traditions. Anybody who was raised in church and easily show them as being extra-biblical.
1: You bet. So what makes a tradition started by any individual different than another individual? you have a belief that this particular man who started this tradition proclaimed to be a Christian? Is everyone who proclaimed to be a Christian a Christian?
2: No.
1: Do you think that everybody sitting in the church pew has a place in the world to come? Is it really our place to determine if something is valid because of a belief that the owner holds? Where would we get that kind of stuff? I just don't get it. And when, when you're talking about it like that, you, you can't
4: even prove that who the owner is. In most cases, and, that's right. And, you know, the, the idea that any, as we discussed, any particular rabbi came up with any tradition, we can't derive that because Judaism says, no, no, these are really, really, really old traditions. They're that's not something from uh, around the first century sure. or even before. But, but
1: that's like really old. Well, that's why I wanted to go through this this thing in Matthew that Greg had sent me from Tim Hake. You know, and I I threw in a couple more there that I found. It's not possible that the rabbis made these up. Remember, we had three things there. Right? If the master followed them, or if he encouraged others to follow them, or if he didn't stop them from following them, there can't be anything wrong with them. And in most of the things we see in the the passages of Matthew, he was actually doing them himself. So, if it happened here, and it was already an established tradition, the definition of tradition is multi-generational. So you've got generations. 80, 100, 150, 200 years. Do you think he had anything to do with Hanukkah? Yeah. When did Hanukkah happen? Nearly two hundred years. Like the age of our country before he was born. That's multi-generational. It's already established. And he's following along. You so? Well, I was just gonna also
5: reiterate, I think I may, I think I shared this last Thursday sitting under uh, Joshua's sukkah, but I still think one of the big uh, the big things that's lacking in quote-unquote messianic mov- the messianic movement is the perspective that the Torah is not just a spiritual guidebook or a guidebook for righteous living, although it certainly is all that or just a history book, certainly it is it is also a history book it's a, the Torah in particular is a constitution for the government of God. And, and the constitution provides for a legislative system to interpret and apply the, uh, the constitution to specific situations. And that is what is called halakha or Jewish law. And so if you are attaching yourself to that nation that has that government, then you have to recognize, it doesn't mean you have to agree, but you have to recognize that there is a constitution that has legal precedents that have been derived and applied. And you can't just ignore that
1: you've got to do some kind of hooby-scooby you language. could be a citizen from another country and that's
5: the
4: problem is the people that are following this are essentially saying I don't want to be a part of Israel and that is a dangerous proposition you better it is. you know when when you know, I've been reading the, the volumes of uh, the yeah. Sages and the second volume it's just so sad because Roman R- Roman rule was, was so intent on persecuting Jewish people and they identified Jewish people by what they did not because what's, oh, who, 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 let me what's say, your last name? What's your life? By, by what they did. And Weinstein? so what you see is you saw all of the believers who were Gentile go, Well, I want well, maybe they weren't believers. They said, I don't want to be a part of Israel. So they walked off the they walked off the land and said, I'm not a part of this, and essentially said, you know, I have a citizenship that's Roman, I'm not Jewish. And and you know, we, we have to look at Matthew chapter twenty five and we have to ask ourselves a question, Who are his brothers? He says, Do we see them? In need, do we see them uh, and do identify with them and, to pr- and provide for their needs? This is the, this is the mark of those who are sheep and not goats. And what they are, what these people are doing is they're identifying with the enemies of God as opposed to identifying with the people of God.
1: Yeah. We, Unfortunately, I don't think you're going to get into that kind of discussion with your concert reflect flat carol, but it may be a gentle way to bring in the Constitution thing and and recognize. Even to put it this way, when, when Messiah returns, do you believe that he will set up his kingdom? Now, of course, I think with the vast majority of, of the, those in the visible expression of the church today, they may think they're going to the by and by instead of the here and now, but uh, is he going to set up his kingdom? Will he reign as king? Yes. What laws will that king have? We're just gonna love everybody. Have love in you brother Let me pick your broccoli because I love. It. I think it's gonna it's gonna happen. All right. Well, let me uh, let me pray for you guys. I am I am very very concerned that once again uh, we've 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 got this this carite wave whipping up again. It's uh, we have got to stand up against it. And, and I think it's, it, it, as I'm reading Saadia Gaon, he was not always very gentle or pleasant. He was extraordinarily critical and crisp in his rebuke. He just did it generically. Those who believe, and he would just blister it. So it wasn't against the person, it was against the belief. And I think we should uh, take those as words to live. Good Father, we pray for those that call upon your name and have been deceived by false teachers to accept a pale imitation of the robust faith and abundant joy which you've provided and promised us. I pray for each of them that you would... uh, quicken their hearts and soften them that they might hear some of the arguments being presented I pray for the men in this room Father that they would stand up once again standing alone in a wicked and perverse generation that's being pulled into the very pit of hell Father we pray for our great nation that you would either sink it quickly or help us climb out of this pit Quickly, one way or the other, sink or swim, Father. We pray that your Son would soon come and establish His kingdom with His Constitution, with His laws, and that we might all serve Him wholeheartedly. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.